Um, hello, welcome to Judgment Day. Um, this is the film podcast that pits films you're passionate about against Terminator 2, and I am your host, Michael Carroll. Our topic today is bunkers. My guest is Peter Jabinski. Hello, Peter. Hi, how are you doing? Good. Um, we have- before this, so I already know that you're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you you have you have an amazing plug you want to do? Uh, I just don't want to get fired by the library because of like tax revenue shortages or something like that. So I guess uh, my plug is for my career and existence. And Peter, uh, just to introduce yourself a little bit, you are a uh, employee of the New York Public Library. I am. What branch? Uh, County Cullen, which is up in Harlem. And um, I don't know, we know each other because I don't know, we went to high school together many, many years ago, and uh, now we're recording this. Yeah, um, that's basically all the, all the important history there. Yeah, I, don't, I can't think of anything else. Okay, so um, look, um, the topic is bunkers. Um, I, I would say this is one of those episodes where I, I had an idea for this and um, I kind of pulled you into my orbit to, to, um, to do this with me here. Um, we're, we're doing three films. We're doing 10 Cloverfield Lane, um, Take Shelter, and Underground. Um, and I think the genesis of this for me was that um, 10 Cloverfield Lane had just kind of been a film that had been um, bouncing around uh, in my head uh, for um, uh, just since COVID started, um, kind of for obvious reasons we'll get to when we go over to, into that film. And then I revisited Take Shelter um, earlier this summer and, um, and, and that also seemed to weirdly resonate. Um, and, and then I kind of got like uh, bunkers in my brain and I used it as an excuse to finally sit down with this um, uh, three-hour Yugoslavian uh, dark comedy that um, has nothing to do with COVID-19, kind of refreshingly. Um, but um, I don't know. Um, do you have anything on bunkers in general? What that I want to discuss? That I want. Yeah. Wanna... Yeah. Uh, nothing, right? Um, no, I mean I think that bunkers are kind of compelling, uh, I suppose. And maybe one day I'll live in one. <laughs> you had a couple of, you had a couple of apartment buildings that were like, um, uh, they weren't below ground, but they were like, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Where like you, you have- apartment is almost below ground. Yeah, that's true. You, you're, yeah. Your, your building is actually like a fascinatingly kind of, um, uh, how how many floors is it? It's like a sixteen story building, but well, like I think only. Um, hey Peter, I'm gonna cut your um, video actually, or if you can cut your video, I just I, I sometimes I'm having I some trouble hearing you. I to do this. I know, I know, I know. Now we're doing this on. I'll cut all this. Don't worry. Um, no, don't cut it. You leave the truth, Michael. All right, look, let's jump into 10 Cloverfield Lane from 2016. 
-huh. Our first film. Okay, so in this bizarre sequel to 2008's Cloverfield, the found footage element gets dropped for a chamber thriller, a young woman played by Ramona Flowers, uh, who wakes up from a car accident, recovering from injuries in a bunker built by a menacing John Goodman and some weirdo uh, kid that, uh, um, boy, that sentence didn't make any sense. She's informed that uh, this otherworldly element has made the planet uh, uninhabitable and she's lucky to be alive, uh, but her savior is kind of, uh, he kind of quickly shows himself to be um, a dangerous psychopath. 10 Cloverfield Lane. So you didn't know that it was um, like supposed to be like a, a, a sequel to Cloverfield. No. No, I, I never I never saw Cloverfield. I, I actually never really had any interest in it. Um, I don't think I, I still do. I um, this movie came out and um, I called her Ramona Flowers, but her name is um, ever here. Harry. Elizabeth Winstead. Yeah. And, you know, I think she's great. I, I think John Goodman's great. It was on Amazon Prime a couple of years ago. And without thinking much about it, I, I just uh, turned it on. And it was um, um, it was so great to see Goodman uh, just commit to, like, uh, just... Um, to, to what? Uh, it's so good to see John Goodman trying. Yeah, trying and 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 like and like actually try and be like uh like uh, just a frightening presence. Um, yeah. Anna, what 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 did you uh, you hadn't seen the film before? What did you uh, would you make of it? No, I hadn't. Um, I think so. Um, Mary Mary Elizabeth and John Goodman uh, are great. Um, and they kind of, they shine in this way that the tertiary actor, what's his yeah, name? Yeah, John Gallagher Jr. Yeah, it's uh, so clear that he doesn't, <laughs> like, that like he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, yeah, he did the thing, they did the thing where they got some guy with a really interesting face uh but not like the face of like like a redneck you know like like i feel like i see that a lot where uh with hollywood it's like they get someone with just like very distinct features but clearly like just they they don't exude whatever that uh whatever whatever like someone who like actually like you know is a yeah. laborer when, is when we watched it uh i think you brought up how he's la redneck yeah, that I think was that my was that my phrase? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um so uh it's a joy to watch uh John and Mary kind of like act at each other and it like try and avoid this guy. Um They're not trying to that sounds like an interesting film. That's not the film I saw. Uh, like, look, just spoilers and everything uh, bound, uh, obviously. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. The guy gets killed. That's yeah, kind of cool. I mean, can't come soon enough, I guess. But yeah, he gets killed with like a magnum to the face, which is uh, its own kind of charming. Um, but on the whole, uh, the movie, like, is a pretty good 
B, clearly like a B movie that's trying to like put lipstick on the pig that it is. Um, and C, uh, kind of like a weirdly disconcerting um, story of like an abuser who is vindicated because he's right. Um, so, you know, I mean. I, but I don't, ooh, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a really fun movie because there is, a, there is like this big plot, which is that the alien, aliens have invaded. Um, it's not safe to go outside. Um, uh, but like um, what sort of takes up um, most of the oxygen in the movie is that um, the people that were here before the aliens invaded um, are just fucking scumbags and psychopaths, which is again, one of the reasons why I thought about it so much um, living uh, under COVID under the Trump administration, I mean, yeah, or, you know, whatever, all the other shit that's going on. Um, um, which is probably an easy, an easy observation. There's nothing particularly, you know, uh, but it, it's a, it's a very tight film. It, com it, it commits to very little and yeah, with like maybe the exception of this, what, like one third wheel in, in the cast, you know, it, I feel like it does everything it sets out to do um, uh, a notch above what it needed to do, you know, to work. So it, it, it goes a little bit extra and um, and it's fun, you know. Uh, she goes through she goes through uh, this just like really shitty situation to just get out of it, and, and you know she gets out of a a you know like um, a thriller into like a, a sci-fi uh, situation pretty seamlessly. Uh, yeah, actually, that was it was surprising how easily that kind of like the last twenty five minutes of the movie are basically that. Um, and it was surprising how like, kind of like not, maybe it wasn't seamless, but I remember when, when I was watching it um, with you again, um, it was like, oh, okay, cool. Three oh, we're gonna do this now. Like you made it out you're free. Um, and then it was just like, and then it just kept going. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's very, it's a very, uh, it's an action film in, in, in the, like, in the, in, in that, in that sense. It is, is about like her, like kind of going through these mechanisms of like, you know, creating something, uh, getting, understanding the space, uh, and understanding um, uh, how the space operates and then understanding like how she could potentially exist outside of the space. Uh, and then like, while the whole time, like navigating, dealing with someone who's like, you know, clearly like emotionally unwell. Uh, and uh, yeah, and then, and then suddenly like this whole new mechanism gets thrown at her. Yeah, sorry, what? You mean her abuser, Mike? Her, yeah, yeah, her, sure, her abuser, yeah, uh, and then like uh, getting um, getting out of the space, and then like getting these whole new mechanisms to understand, which the the, the screenplay I think kind of like shows 
quickly. A lot of information gets thrown at you quickly. Uh, and, and that's part of the fun is that it's just like she's, she's working her way through these problems, you know? I mean, that's what so many action movies, uh, you know, I think are, are sort of like they're, tr they're supposed to be doing. And uh, it's a good movie. I don't have too much more to say. I don't know. Is, you got anything else on that one? Uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, again, when most of the movie is in a bunker, it kind of, it doesn't lead itself to sharp commentary on the direction. But like, I don't know. Everything was fine. Um, it was just, it, it really was, I mean, I just, I guess this is probably hammering it home, but um, like Mary and John, like like the work that they do, and I refer to them by their first names because we're friends, obviously, um, <laughs> but uh, the work that they do really like elevates this from like a C plus movie to a solid B range. Um, and like, it's really a joy to watch them like act at each other. Yeah. Um, speaking of acting at each other, let's talk about Take Shelter. Yeah. Uh, Michael Shannon and uh, director Jeff Nichols tell the story of Curtis, a blue collar working class family man in Ohio who begins disassociating from reality and having vivid dreams of a storm coming. Uh, he's like a reverse Noah. He builds a, uh, out a storm shelter in his home, uh, risking financial ruin and alienation from his friends and family. But plot twist, is he really crazy? Um, I, Jeff Nichols and, 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 and uh, Michael Shannon, they, they're... Um, I think they're really like uh, like like Kinski and Herzog or or Scorsese and De Niro. Like um, they just they they make each other much stronger. Uh, I'm sorry. Has Jeff Nichols like worked? Ha have they worked together um, more than on Take Shelter? Yeah, they did Shotgun Stories. This was their oh, right. this was their follow up to Shotgun Stories, which is a, a film I, I I love and and would love to. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah I've been yeah. actually been thinking about how to do an episode on that one because that that's a film that I, I feel very strongly about and have I feel like I have a lot to unpack. Um, and then and then well, Shannon's been in every single one of Nichols's films, but um, he was the lead in um, Shotgun Stories, Take Shelter, and Midnight Special, but he's, he's had small roles in, in all of Nichols's other features. Um, but I think, well, let me, let me back up a second. So Michael Shannon, for those of you, I don't know, who, who, who aren't familiar with him, he's a very, uh, he, he exudes a lot of stoicism as a performer, right? He, he's someone who, um, you know, always seems like he, he can do a lot with stillness, like like Clint Eastwood or or maybe like Beat Takeshi. Um, and um, and Jeff Nichols as a director, he he tends to focus on uh, his, his films are very like Midwestern man focused um, and and sort of um, about exploring the inner life of people who are like just introverted uh, outdoorsy men. 
and um and toxic masculinity I mean, and, yeah yeah and toxic masculinity uh and um yeah and 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 again i think uh you know um i think that they have both done stuff that i've been underwhelmed by but um when they get together i think they they tend to just like they really bring out the best in 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 each other's work um i kind of don't know why nichols uh puts anyone else as his leading man <laughs> frankly well i mean i guess everyone has to like try matthew mcconaughey once you know? yeah 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 exactly <laughs> it's like baby please I have to go find myself or something. Uh, yeah. And then tries Matthew McConaughey and it's like, um, I, you know, I had a uh, It didn't mean anything to me, you know, you're, you're the one yeah. for me. Um, <laughs> you, uh, you, you, uh, we had seen this film um, when it first came out. I know we, 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 this film's been kind of in uh, our conversation, uh, you know, uh, over the years it's come up. Um, you went back to it recently. How did it hold up for you? You sent me a very interesting text, which I didn't follow up on because I wanted to save it for this conversation. Uh -huh. Yeah, well, um, no, it, it holds up, um, for me, it holds up like really well. Uh, it's a movie that uh, succeeds at kind of making the logical leap between having its cake and then eating it too. Um, and like that alone is kind of a weird marvel. Um, what, what, that's, what you, that's what you had sent me kind of cryptically. You said this film has its cake and eats it too. And I thought, I thought that was your way of saying you were mad at it. But what, what do you mean by that? No, so, um, well, like so much of the the movie is is kind of about this about a man who is trying to hide the fact that everything is crumbling for him on the inside um and like trying to keep it from his wife Jessica Chastain um and from like like until he can kind of get control over it, right? Um, like not let anyone see that things are really going wrong for him, you know? Yeah. And then, so like, as, as it's kind of rounding into the finish line, um, Jessica Chastain is like, hey, I can't do this anymore. And he's like, you're right. Um, I'm sorry, I've been on this journey all by myself or whatever. Um, but like here, like what's going on is that I think that I'm becoming my mother. Um, yeah, it's just to elaborate for people who haven't seen it, you know, yeah, like the, the first hour is, is again, this very stoic man who's, um, so much of the film is about just like staring at the sky, uh, weirdly, yeah. um, but beautifully. 
uh, he he's kind of you kind of get an idea of his his community and his um, you know who his friends are, who his boss is, um, what his family life is like. He has a daughter who's deaf, and they're trying to get um, uh, some uh, surgery so that she can uh, get that sense back, and uh, or or I guess get that sense for the first time, and. Um, and 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 it's just occasionally intercut with um, just straight up horror movie stuff, and then you know Michael Sheehan just wakes up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat, and sometimes it's like uh, it's his wife in his dream was trying to kill him. His wife's trying to kill him, and he starts feeling alienated from his wife. His dog uh, attacks him, and uh, so then he starts like he 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 ties the dog up. He puts the dog in like you know, and then he finds a new home for the dog. And and it's just he's struggling to articulate for himself. You slowly find out that yeah, his mother uh, ran away when she was um, when when Michael Shannon was uh, Michael Shannon's character was uh, uh, a kid and. Uh, she had a mental breakdown and so he's just trying to understand he starts he, seeing a therapist yeah. as a person and like this the disease uh, whether it tracks down through lineage or whatever mm-hmm. is a little bit up in the air but uh, is it's also like no surprise that he gets it yeah it's I I was thinking when I saw it, you know, I, I it, the film was 2011. And I was contextualizing it. Um, you know, this was a film that was coming um, after um, Iraq, uh, after the financial collapse, and obviously there's a lot of like, you, you know, so so he starts focusing on the storm shelter. He starts building it out, and he's um, spending money that he doesn't have. Uh, you know, he just, he has a compulsion. He's borrowing equipment from work, which is putting him in, in uh, trouble uh, there. Um, he's really like risking, uh, yeah, like I say, he's risking everything for this stuff um, because he senses that there's this impending doom coming and he wants to keep his family safe. And um, yeah, just, just like contextualizing it in that, you know, uh, in that era, you know, I mean, um it, it to me it, it spoke to um you know just going through that whole period and and, and like austerity being such a, a strong word that that was in the air at the time um you know uh and and just uh yeah people losing their homes and everything um and 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 at the same time you know yeah there was just this feeling of you know uh uh, well, I mean, there's been a feeling of, you know, an, an impending climate uh, disaster, you know, that, that you know, there's just so much, so many reasons to feel. I'm sorry, what was that? Just general purpose impending doom. Yeah, you know, just like, it, it just, that, that, that era, you know, I mean, I, I think it's, it started that feeling of um, just being in unsafe times for me, I don't know, you know, it started really in, not on 9-11 um, for whatever all that was, you know, um, uh, and then and then it just escalated, you know, after the financial collapse and, and you know, obviously, uh, you know, it, it, it strikes uh, a, a deep tone right now. Um, 
with that, you know, with everything else going on uh, with COVID. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, it, 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 that all hit me. And I think um, Shannon, yeah, Shannon, sometimes I think Shannon knows what his strengths are and he, he plays to them. He doesn't necessarily challenge himself or he doesn't take challenging movies. He takes a lot of shitty, um, uh, you know, uh, action movies or, you know, just like sometimes he'll do the occasional comedy where he's making fun of himself. But, you know, sometimes when he really just like takes um, his, his, his screen presence really seriously, which he does in this and he certainly does in Shotgun Stories, it, it really is like... Uh, hypnotic because he's he's he is one of those few people who can just do so much with just like uh just a, a weird just like unsure like a slightly quizzical look on his face as opposed to like a neutral you know you know what i'm saying yeah so right yeah he he does a lot with a little um and so just to go back to it the mm-hmm. having this cake or having the movie having its cake and eating it too is um so as as everything is kind of rounding into form um there is this resolution of sorts um where michael shannon like has a reconciliation with his wife and he's like hey you know what i'm really sorry that um I've been keeping this all away from you. Um, let me recommit myself to what it is that we're building together and I'll be more honest with you, you know? Um, and like solid marriage choices, you know? Uh, and then the there's the double punch of he is proven right. You're talking about the final climactic scene? Yeah, where, where okay. Justine uh, starts to see the rusty rain, too. Um, and it's like, oh, shit. This Get, is in. <laughs> Get inside. Yeah. Um, so, so, so this is interesting. So this is something that's been kind of hotly debated. You you interpreted that that was not a dream. You interpreted that there right. was actually something. Um, I saw I saw it with, with my wife, Olivia, uh, and um, it, it was, well, my then girlfriend, and it was the funniest thing because I think I, I assumed that, that the final scene uh, was not, a, I assumed that it was real and, and that was like this great revealing plot twist up until about 45 minutes after I left the theater and we were talking about it. She goes, yeah, that, that was probably a dream. I think that's what they were trying to say. I'm like, oh. But it's it's ambiguous. I mean. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's not it's not like Inception with the spinning top. Right. Um, like, it, 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 I, I don't think it matters because I think like what, what's kind of interesting about what they're doing. I, I'm sorry. Did, no, no, it's fine. I think what, uh, yeah, I, what it ultimately reveals itself to be is about, um, you know, uh, a, a very introverted uh, man kind of um, who, uh, you know, reaches out to his wife and his wife gives him support. And, you know, there, there's this 
plot point where, you know, yeah, uh, you mentioned this, he starts to feel alienated from his wife because of one of his dreams. Um, and um, they have the, just like a really terrifying third act where he just, um, he takes the family into the shelter when uh, an actual storm hits Northern Ohio where, where this was shot. And, um, and the, he doesn't want, he doesn't want to leave. He doesn't want to take them out. She makes, she makes him make a decision to, 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 to uh, let them out. Um, and, you know, then uh, it, it's very moving. Chastain, uh, yeah, I mean, I think she does a lot, she does a lot of uh, uh, emotional work in this film, um, kind of drawing Shannon out, um, literally and, and, and uh, otherwise. Um, I think that there's a way of interpreting that um, final um, scene, if it is a dream, that Chastain has now become like, um, she's his uh she's now in his dream life in his like inner world she's 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 now someone that he can trust and does trust you know which is right. you know for someone in his fragile state is like really like moving right so or or the world's ending right or the world's ending it's up in the but air. it doesn't matter yeah um but i think uh like even just her kind of um working with Michael Shannon because like there are a couple of beats throughout the movie where uh, Michael Shannon does kind of like reach out for help and then is rebuffed um, from the psychiatrist who then gets transferred out and replaced by uh, another psychiatrist who who doesn't do nearly as good a job. Yeah it's just um, like the damn joker. Yeah, probably, sure. Yeah. Um, um, but, like, uh, that Michael Shannon can, like, finally feels like he can have, like, someone in uh, his, the, the, his, like, crumbling world or something um, is totally a way of doing it. Uh, but... Just me, myself, um, I kind of, I, I like the other interpretation better. Because there isn't, so like Mike Nichols doesn't have any tells as Jeff, far. Jeff, you said Mike Nichols. Jeff Nichols, sorry, my fault. Mike Nichols, the director of The Graduate. Right, <laughs> perfect. Um, but like, as far as I can see, um, there weren't any tells in the exchange towards the last scene, where it's like, oh, this is clearly, um, like, this is clearly uh, him, like, falling back into, a, like, uh, into dreams or into, like, his mental state or whatever. Um, and so like they're, they're on they're at myrtle beach which was like a big like getaway that they'd been trying to they save for every year and, right, yeah. right right and so so the scene opens with like like just him at on the beach with his kid and you know yeah it could it could in theory have a dreamlike quality or it could just be something pleasant you know yeah yeah i mean but like i guess 
to my point, uh, yeah. like there isn't a, a very hard, solid tell that it's uh, clearly like this scene is just like um, a, like made up or like this this is just like a suspension of disbelief or something. Um, and so I appreciate uh when i watch the movie like just allowing for this to be nope that that rain that bracky rain is um yeah that is something that everyone is feeling and no one's crazy and uh yeah because it's armageddon yeah just end of the fucking world mm -hmm. yeah okay um I, I think when we get to Terminator 2, we'll, we'll have a lot. Uh, I, I certainly have a few things that I want to talk about. I want to circle back to uh, take shelter about when we get there. But if if it's okay with you, I'm ready to jump on to uh, our third film here. Yeah, sure. So again, this was the one that, well, so this is Underground uh, from 1995. Um, uh, the history of Serbia from World War II to the 1990s unfolds. Uh, I'm sorry. The history of Serbian Yugoslavia from World War II to the 1990s unfolds in this fable about two asshole friends, Marco and Blackie. In the early 40s, they joined the Communist Party to undermine the Nazi occupation, but mostly they just drink and fuck and uh, terrorize their own community as much as they're making life miserable for the Nazis. So by 1944, headstrong Blackie is hiding in a bunker with other people from Belgrade. Uh, producing arms for the Communist Party and bureaucrat Marco um, spends years lying to his people that they need to stay in hiding as his career in the Communist Party rises. Um, does that pretty much sum up this film? Uh, yeah, and then... Um, and then it goes, so the film's in three and then, acts, and then it goes into the 90s. Uh, yeah, that... Everyone with Blackie's other wife. Yeah, there's a whole subplot um, where um, uh, Blackie has uh, uh, a, a mistress named Natalia, um, who uh, um, they she then like leaves him for the Nazis, and then Marco, uh, and then Marco and Blackie swoop in and kidnap her essentially, and um, uh, like marry her to Blackie, kind of against her will. Um, and then um, uh, during the like the heroic like dive uh, into the underground, um, she stays above ground with Marco and uh, they start, uh, you know, having a, a multi-year relationship. So yeah, basically then what happens is uh, by like what, 1961, everyone, uh, gets released from uh, underground, although they think that uh, the Nazis are still there. And there's a very funny scene where, uh, I'm not reading my synopsis anymore, but you know, um, it's a fable, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a fable. Um, there are notes of airplane to it. Um, it's okay. It's a really funny film. That's maybe what we're not getting to. You know, that's the right. that's the lead we're burying here. Michael, it's Michael uh, I think you're saying it's a very funny film. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm saying it's fucking hilarious. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
there's this that like the tone uh, you know uh, the tone is very like always sunny the tone is very much something where it's just like you know um it's just like very um uh two-dimensional yeah i'll say two-dimensional characters uh every uh, you know it, it's a farce you know the main character there are a couple of like really nice well-mannered characters who whose um existence in, in in the film is to like let the main characters who are a bunch of like yeah just dickheads like fuck them over and then they fuck themselves over and um and it just creates this huge mess uh and then in the last half hour it makes a, a pretty good effort to like um hold a bunch of sadness um because um it's 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 uh, ultimately just people being miserable because it doesn't it 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 isn't a sitcom. The, these big slapstick comedy moments hit, and then um, there are repercussions for like years and decades afterwards um, that just these very selfish people kind of don't really like. Uh, um, you know, they they just kind of gloss over. Um, is that fair? think so um although so there are like two halves of this movie um and you could probably even split it up into thirds if you really wanted to but um like it really held my attention in the first like 45 minutes a whole lot better than it did for the rest of the movie. Uh, and the movie's three hours long, so. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it was a five hour long uh, television miniseries and that was the theatrical cut. Um, uh, and it's interesting. Um, I uh, certainly had to do some research on Yugoslavia after um, after uh, watching it, or even while watching, because I watched it over a couple of nights. That's the other thing. I watch a lot of these movies over like uh, multiple sittings these days, and I think this film actually lent itself to it. Maybe in part because it was produced to be like a television miniseries, um, and it does have that really hard cut, roughly halfway through, where like when everything jumps to like this. well, yeah. There are three eras, well, four eras, yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah, like I said, yeah, the very end when it gets, it, it goes from the 60s straight to the 90s, um, uh, kind of jarringly. Um, uh, so for those of you who are trying to act like they know what I'm talking about, Yugoslavia was uh, next to, um, was next to Italy, um, from the 40s on, it was, it, it's, it's in the Balkan mountains, uh, it, it's, in, it's in the Balkan region, and it was, um, you know, um, six or seven different countries that um, after World War I became like one country, and then um, the Nazis took it over, and um, uh, after World War II, it actually expanded a little bit, um, and then um, by the 90s, um, the, the sort of what the Bosnian War uh, in part was, was the, the uh, after the fall of communism, like those, those the, the country dismantled back into like where it was um, uh, pre-World War I. Three. 
93, yeah. Uh, no, three countries. Three countries. Uh, I think so. It was Croatia, Bosnia, yeah. Serbia. Yeah. Um, maybe it was just the three. See, that's the thing. Uh, we're, we're learning so much as we go along. Um, uh, Olivia was telling me, she was trying to remember, there's some poet who um, had some quote about how um, he was, um, uh, he was born in Italy, he got married in Croatia, uh, he got married in Yugoslavia and he'll die in Croatia and he's never left his hometown. Um, and that I think is sort of, uh, yeah, that's sort of the history of uh, Yugoslavia in a lot of ways and, and, and sort of what this film is sort of, talking about i mean the the big the big like um like titular line uh shows up uh towards the end where a character um it's it's the it's the 90s and this character who had survived being in the bunker for so long um uh he's uh he says uh like uh he says something like uh living under communism was living underground right but what that line was i think I, I wrote it down at some point but um, and so, uh, so the whole thing to me, I was watching it, it, it felt so much like a, um, uh, it, all the characters, I was trying to make sense of what was going on and, and why certain characters were acting certain ways. And I think that it was just supposed to be like every character was supposed to be a stand in for an aspect of the society at the time. Um, they make a great deal about how Natalia is an actress and how she um, kind of moves very freely between um, Blackie to this Nazi to Marco. And um, I, I, you know, I just assumed that she was supposed to represent some affluent part of like, um, you know, artisanal society and, and, and um, Blackie was um, sort of just like the real like proletariat, like um, uh, just whatever. And um, Marco was like the bureaucrat, but again, it was, it's, it's part of the interesting thing about watching a film from a different culture without fully understanding. Um, right, where like you know that uh, all of these different characters are supposed to mean something, um, and that, it, but like you don't know what you don't like have the kind of like cultural capital or something um, to be able to kind of like pull out what each person means and like in a weird way uh i think maybe that's why the first 45 minutes were kind of like good for me um because it didn't feel as hard um to parse uh, but then after that it was just like oh no i'm playing over my head at this point um with what the movie is trying to do hmm. yeah i um i don't know i you know i what i i had, I had heard from other people that like uh um basically the, the the last uh hour of the film was kind of disposable and and not uh not particularly interesting but i i actually thought that the yeah, the, the last 30 minutes were, were uh, surprisingly very moving and it, it moves very fast, um, and almost, like, uh, almost like a play, um, 
um, just um, the, like I said, like long-term, like repercussions for like awful acts that were committed decades ago, just kind of like come bubbling up um, and, and very violently. And, and the tone does shift um, twice. It shifts, it shifts to being very dark and, and like um, everyone kind of gets their comeuppance. Um, uh, and then it kind of uh, Blackie ends up like uh, having like a little fantasy in his brain as his, as he drowns to death, uh, presumably, uh, where it's um, actually like like the end of fucking Wayne's World, where like everyone's just like uh, having super happy time and they've all kind of forgiven each other and they all actually sort of love each other, and um, and then and, and it's a wedding, it's his son's wedding, and he's and he's so happy and um, and then. Um, you know the the they're on this little uh, inlet that like just th there's very strong imagery where they're on this little inlet that like breaks away and it's just clearly like no that's it's all it's all a fable it's all it's all bullshit it's all make believe um, yeah it's very charming yeah it, it's see but I guess what I'm getting at is it, it's a film that I kind of I had to do some homework on which which you know I think this was a film that like um, that doing the homework paid off. Uh, like it was rewarding to do homework um, because I want to understand what was happening because I was so um, enamored with it. I, there's like this big like brass band that like follows them throughout the whole film. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's very colorful. It moves very fast. It, it's, it's just like it's broad comedy. Um, and, 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 and it's, and it's it's a film from 1995. So usually comedy doesn't age very well, but I don't know for some reason. Like I, I don't know, my comedy has has been very mean these last few years. I don't know about you. What what kind of comedy have you been into lately? Uh, uh comedy that doesn't show itself as much as it did in this movie. Okay. Um. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. Um, some stuff is funny, some stuff isn't as funny, and I don't, like, parse it. <laughs> yeah. What is my comedy in that kind of way? But, yeah, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I know it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a generalized question, but something that I, I don't know, like, especially with everything just being so fucking miserable lately i mean i think that I, I i've been trying to like think about things that make me happy and like uh you know uh I, i'm not trying to like um like like a clock like open it up and like uh you know untangle yeah. it or anything but i'm but i'm trying to i'm trying to like at least understand you know uh what it is i'm not trying to like uh um not trying to disassemble it but i just want to like understand it um but maybe those maybe those things are intertwined. I don't know. Um, I'll tell you who didn't find this movie funny. This was kind of interesting. Uh, Slavo Zizek. Um, oh no, I don't want to end up on Slavo Zizek's side. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Okay, so this is from Wikipedia. Uh, during the 2008 discussion between the Slovenian philosopher Slavo Zizek and Bernard Henry Levy on the issues surrounding the historical significance of uh, May. Blah, blah, uh, Zizek brought up Underground and uh, Christesia, uh, the director, to Levy by saying, uh, and I won't do a voice because that's fucking hammy by this point, yeah. uh, 
Underground, I think, is one of the most horrible films that I've seen. What kind of Yugoslav society you see in Christesia's Underground? A society where people all the time fornicate, drink, fight, a kind of eternal orgy. Um, and so actually, I looked that up. That was actually um, a, a New York Public Library um, uh, panel that that, that that conversation went on. I was trying to like find, I wanted to like learn more about it, but uh, I just didn't have the time. Yeah, New York Public Library, we're always on the forefront of culture. Yeah, where you get like um, Zizek talking about a movie from 13 years ago. Right, um, Zizek, who is already like 10 years past his prime yeah. time that's 13 years past his prime's time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. New York Public Library, baby. Right. Yeah, we got you. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to you say about uh, this one? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I, like, going back to the 45 minutes thing, um, I feel like uh, there the movie was able to be looser um, and then like everything for the last like two hours and 15 minutes, I guess, um, just felt strained in a way that uh, like didn't really sit easy with me. Uh, or at least like for the next two hours, right? Because the, like, after Blackie dies and drowns and goes into the vision of heaven on an island that is breaking off of the mainland or whatever, um, that then, like, it once again is kind of, like, weirdly charming. Um, and people, like, dance in kind of like funny ways mm -hmm. you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's fun it's a great time three hours do it um but you would say not um no i mean i'd say do i mean like if anything uh do the first 45 minutes because i think that that kind of like the charm there or like yeah the shot that introduces blackie i mean what it's like um the nazis it's the evening of the nazi occupation um blackie is like uh what is he in a car or something he's he's just like yeah. he's sticking his head out the window and yeah. he's fucking smashed and yeah. i said just like this 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 balkan brass band is playing and you're just like yeah, I'm here. That follows them around for the entire movie. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, I'm here. Let's do this movie. Let's do this. Yeah, I'm in, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, uh, watch that in like the first 45 minutes, right? And if you're not on board, I promise that you won't be on board for the following two hours. So maybe just like, don't worry about it. Yeah. And if it's, the best thing that you've ever seen or whatever like well you, so there are these two hours and yeah it just keeps <laughs> yeah. it's like there, there's the there's the episode one you know yeah yeah um uh let's talk about terminator 2 <laughs> all right so does 
I have a quick question. Um, yeah. Does every podcast end in people having to talk about Terminator 2 with you? Uh, yeah, what I like to do is I like to understand because because the question is are films are films that we're talking about better or worse than Terminator 2? And I think it's fair to the audience to understand um, where the where the, the the speaker where the critic is coming from. So it's it's calibration. So Michael loves the fuck out of Terminator Two. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling it's it's a film that I I kind of feel differently about every time I watch. So maybe it's so I don't know that kind of. Well, that just means that that just throws my calibration thing out the fucking window, doesn't it? Mm. No, but it's a film that like I I you know I think a lot of people. A, most people in my orbit, uh, more than most films, look at this film with a certain baseline fondness. So when we talk about films, we're always, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's so hard to like grab onto what, what, you know, what, where someone else is coming from or what they have to say about a movie or what the movie is. And so, you know, uh, it's almost like, I, I think that's why Siskel and Ebert, um, proliferated for so long because it's just a very simple like metric for understanding is it good is it bad well you know i mean i think there's a lot of stuff that like terminator 2 yeah i mean yeah i I, you know i think uh and i also think you know um people are you know there's so much good stuff out there but we don't want good i think people want something that's like better than terminator 2 um i think that like uh if you tell people uh Generally, uh, that a film is better or worse than Terminator. A film is better than Terminator Two. It gets something going on in their head. Why? Why do you ask? Oh, because that's the Gen Sui of, of this podcast, right? And I'm on this podcast, so I guess I deserve to know. No. <laughs> <laughs> um. Do you like Terminator Two? Um. Yes, uh, I think I think Terminator Two more than anything is fine, um, which I guess like makes this makes this whole exercise worth it. Um, but like so early on in the movie, um, there are the two kids on the dirt bike, um, and one of them is going to grow up to, I don't know, be the revolution or whatever. And the other one is going to not. Um, you salute your shorts, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, salute your shorts. Um, and he, like, that kid gets on the back of the dirt bike with a boom box um, and starts playing Guns N' Roses. And then they kind of, like, peel off and whatever. And, like, that is what I want to envision when I think of Terminator 2. Um, that's interesting. Um, it, it's definitely a film with a lot of strong images and a lot of strong characters. And I, and, and I think that like, um, uh, you, you rewatched it um, I did. the other day. Yeah, um, I, I think that I, that's something that I hear. I think I feel like I hear from a lot of people is that they like what they think of is oh they think of it as like about Sarah Connor or they think of it as about 
well, it's about uh, the T-1000 or, you know, like, like it's, it's just, it's, it's kind of an interesting Rorschach test because you do have four very um, uh, vivid central characters. Um, do you, do you like, um, do you think that the child acting was particularly good or particularly bad in that? Uh, no. Oh. Yeah. It, 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 <laughs> um, it's actually like the child acting is kind of like, it is mostly like, it's mostly okay, but where it kind of like sticks its head out and really like makes, uh, makes like its footprint known or whatever is in embarrassing stuff. Like talking to the T-800 Arnold Schwarzenegger and being like, no, no, no. Uh, you don't, you want to talk uh, like natural, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you really want to cheese them on, you say, yeah. Okay. And then I, I almost like, I imagine that he just said, uh, you know, and when you're really, you know, flipping at the, at the adults in the room, you just say, eat my shorts. When yeah, yeah. Very, very like, um, made for disney channel like um uh, energy like it, it, it's a, yeah because it, it's fine because you do think of it as this like like um a hair metal film um uh but yeah like when you actually like sit down with with them as as like screen presences uh, or at it's least with, a, with him five-year-old man trying to write an 11 year old yeah yeah, I mean that. I think yeah, Cameron, Cameron, sort of understanding other human beings and uh, empathizing with them. It, it, it comes off in very interesting ways that 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 aren't always so successful. I'm I'm sure that there is nothing to pick apart there. Yeah, there we go. Um, Anna, um, did so you uh, so you do like it as a film? Do I like Terminator 2? Um, uh, kind of, yeah. Um, like, I don't... What, what, what does it do so, for you? So, so I think that uh, it has been built up as like, this is how sequels should be made. Um, and I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, but... Um, I still don't, like, I don't think, I think that it, that it hits more than it misses. No, that's a good way to put it. Like and, that. like, for a sequel, that is kind of all you can ask for. Yeah. Um, well, let's, uh, let's fight these films together. Um, I don't know, our, let's just, let's just pile them all on at once. Uh, are any of these films better than Terminator 2? Take Shelter um, by like medium ground. Not a long okay. shot, but like it's, I think, so it's, uh, I don't know, a little bit tricky. If you want to see stuff blow up and I often find myself wanting to see bl stuff blow up, um, you could easily take Terminator 2. Um, 
but I think Take Shelter does what it does better than what Terminator 2 does or tries to do. Right. Um, so, like, the two can exist in the same universe uh, and just, like, um, appeal to different tastes or whatever. But uh, if I were stacking them up, I would put, like, Take Shelter maybe, like, two notches above Terminator 2. It's interesting. We were talking about Shannon's performance and... Um... You know, it is kind of an interesting, like Schwarzenegger and Schwarzenegger specifically in this film it, it is an interesting contrast because again, it's very like masculine and very like guarded. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this, um, but uh, yeah, no, I know. I, I, it's just such a great performance which Shannon is able to do in that yeah. film. Um, and, uh, you know, um, I mean, not just Shannon, like, also Jessica Chastain, um, mm. I think, like, on the rewatch that I did, um, it was like, oh, no, Jessica Chastain is actually carrying a ton of this weight. Yeah. Um, not unlike um, Linda Hamilton or, or, you know, arguably... Um, yeah, like where John Connor. Yeah, yeah. Furlong. What I would, I think, what I would say is, so Ten Cloverfield Lane was surprising um, at how much it pulled out of um, a couple of their actors. Uh, but also two thirds of their actors, <laughs> right? Right. Um, no, like Ten Cloverfield Lane. I would probably, I would put that kind of maybe like a notch and a half below Terminator Two. So, um, like that's close to Terminator Two. Uh, Take Shelter is also kind of close, but just on the other side of the ranking scale of Terminator 2. And then, um, yeah, and then Underground, I, I don't... Yeah, it just doesn't do much for you. It doesn't do much for me, but, like, uh, it would also, like, for it to do more for me, I would need to do the research, right? which I'm not necessarily opposed to, but yeah. I also am not searching out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, um, it's funny. Uh, oof. Um, yeah, I, I agree that I would put Take Shelter as, as better. Um, and I would agree that uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane makes a very respectable um, showing, but, um, you know, yeah, arguably, yeah, I, I would say Terminator 2 is just a more solid sit. Um, 10 Cloverfield Lane is also like, uh, it's like 100 minutes. Like, it, it's so it's so nice. Like, it gets a lot done. Um, right. It's not tight. a lot of time. Yeah, it's tight. Um, which I'm getting more and more like... Uh, uh, 
as you I, get older. As I get older, I appreciate more and more. On contrast, I'll say, ugh, underground. You know, I just, I, 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 it's it's not better than Terminator Two, but it's very interesting, and I and and there's someone there. You know, I mean, I think that's one of the things that, like, uh, you know, um, when I think of Cameron uh, and his work, you know, like he's uh, you know uh, kind of a shitty person in a lot of ways, um, but uh, and his worldview is kind of shitty, and it comes out in his films very explicitly. But it's also his, and they're very uniquely his, and he's there. You know, like the, the like more so than like. Um, you know, like a Zack Snyder film, for instance, like, although uh, Zack Snyder is arguably also there as well, but, um, um, but worse. Yeah. Just like, just like a bit more pedestrian. Um, and, 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 um, there's obviously just like a lot more going on in underground. Um, and, and it's obviously a much messier film. Um, but it's also about a more messy subject. I don't know. Yeah. But, Shit, man, I don't know. I'm not Yugoslavian, you know, like, um, you're right. I, I think some of it's just like, uh, I'd be very interested in revisiting it in a, in a, in a year or so and, and, or, or maybe see some of his other films um, and see how they hold up. But um, yeah, I think, I think that's it. I think that's where I'm at. Um, let, let's wrap up with this. You were texting me, asking me about um, what Terminator 2 had to do with bunkers. Um, yeah. Ob obviously, there's a scene where he goes to get the minigun. Uh, they go south of the border, and um, and and they're in a bunker. And and uh, Furlong goes, "Oh, it's you, man." Um, I, you know, on the rewatch, I was like, "Oh, maybe this is what Michael's talking about." But then he was down there for I don't know. Yeah, two seconds. Yeah, seconds. Yeah, and it was just like, no, maybe not. Probably not. All right. Well, oh, let's 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 take let's take one more let's take one more uh, pass at wrapping this up here because I, I do have one other thing here. Okay. So so we we looked at three. Let's say four unique bunkers uh, in this film. What one uh, do you want to spend time in? Um, Which one do you want to be trapped in? Well, I I mean I think no, it's got to be underground, right? Because you're trapped down there with another 20 people or so. A small community, yeah. Yeah, so there's like, there's something as opposed to being Just trapped. Just building arms and ammunitions all day while you, apparently the Nazis are up above. Yeah. Right, you know, um, but like everyone's still having a party and also getting drunk pretty regularly, so... I don't know. Uh, like that seems that seems great. Yeah. As bunkers go. I love you. Thank you for coming, Peter. Hasta la vista. Bye.